0: The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, we're going to discuss the many reasons why diets fail, this goes deeper than just willpower. There are several factors in play, so be sure to listen close. Plus, later we'll find out what's new at Mother's Market and what's happening around town. But first up, we're extremely pleased to welcome back certified nutritional microscopist Liliana Partida. In addition to being the on-site nutritionist with Dr. Keneally at the Center for New Medicine, she has dedicated her life to health and fitness including training aerobic instructors and teaching nutrition across the world to a winning state championship herself in the 400 meter dash and we welcome you back to the Mother's Market
1: Radio Show. How are you? Oh thank you Kim I'm doing fantastic and really happy to be back onto your show Well good we're happy to have you here Well, for those of
0: you in our audience that have not been familiar with your mission and your work, why don't you fill our audience in a little bit before we get to the show's topic?
1: Okay, well, great. Well, you know me, Kim. I'm really passionate about a healthy lifestyle. So my mission is really to educate and to support others in really knowing how to live a healthy lifestyle so that they can regain their health and their vitality and meet their nutrition and fitness goals. So let's talk about um, why diets fail. There are so many reasons. Kim, you know, I've done a lot of research. And one of the things that I have found is that our bodies are becoming overburdened by toxins, whether it's with the chemicals. in the foods, the co- uh, cosmetics that we use, environmental. Uh, but besides the empty calories, most people are still thinking that old theory of calories in, calories out. But really what I have found is that with this overburdened load, our bodies really are becoming in an inflammatory state. And this in fact is causing a hormonal response that literally is stopping people from actually burning fat for fuel. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, it's almost as if we
1: just can't get enough water to flush it through, to clear it. Well, you know, water is really important. And I tell my patients they need to drink half of their body weight in ounces of water. But really, you know, it's even the body's ability to really eliminate in terms of even bowel function or their liver actually being able to break down these toxins. And when our body can't get rid of excess toxins, what does it do? It stores them in fat cells. Mm, That's a good point.
0: There are so many reasons again why diets fail, but let's also talk
1: about obesity. Well, obesity, as we know, uh, diabetes is the seventh cause of mm. death, and usually obesity and diabetes go hand in hand. But once again, it's really that inflammatory cascade that really takes hold of the body. We call it obesititis, Really, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the new term. And so we were talking a moment ago, just in terms of the body's overburdened in terms of a uh, toxicity, and some of those uh, things that we're looking at that people actually aren't even aware of are what we call obesogens, and. Obesogens are things that the body really cannot handle in terms of the plastics that we're exposed to, the phthalates. And we were talking a little bit about the cosmetics, the parabens. The body really doesn't know what to do with these. So then again, it will store them in fat cell for the body to break it down in terms of the liver to move it out of the system. So we really are exposed with uh, an excess amount of inflammation that the body cannot handle. And therefore, creating this, as we uh, spoke a moment ago, uh, inability to burn fat, which is what I call leptin resistant. You know, leptin resistance is really a hormonal dysfunction. It really disrupts the body's ability to regulate appetite and metabolism. And so once this happens, the body literally uh, does not signal that we have enough fat stored in our our reserve banks. And so therefore, we continue to have cravings, we continue to binge, and we continue to get hungry and creating this, uh, this overburdened body of weight gain.
0: Oh, my goodness. I love that you have these new terms. Now, is this, uh, these terms, is this something that people know about? Because I have never heard of this before, these obesogens. Right. Well, you know,
1: I think this is a new term on the block, really, is that people are aware that uh, these chemicals that the body cannot break down are beginning to not only be stored in the body, but are causing hormonal disruption in Mm -hmm. the body, creating excessive estrogen and also uh, triggering responses so that the body cannot utilize fat for fuel. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Now, and that would sort of answer the question about that epidemic of obesity across the country. That's what we were just talking about. You mentioned the reason of being the the inflammation. Is that how we know we have the inflammation? Does that go back to that hormonal disruption?
1: Well, you know, many people, you know, think of inflammation as, you know, pain, redness, uh, colitis, arthritis. They're really not relating it to being overweight as a as a what would I call a, a obesititis. Mm-hmm. and so um, you know one of the things that we regularly do here at the Center for New Medicine is that we check uh, a very simple blood test called C reactive protein. This is an indication if the body is in an inflammatory state. You know, once again, I tell my my patients that when this marker is elevated and and a normal marker would be under one, that would be uh, for anti-inflammatory. One to three would be a moderate of inflammation and three and above would be considered severe inflammation. So really when patients are at this level, I really let them know that it's going to take them longer to heal their metabolism because in essence, they're in a, in a resistant state, just like you would be insulin resistant, the body is no longer listening to the signal to burn and utilize fat for fuel, and so this is really uh, besides the, the the obvious of the fast foods and the hydrogenated oils, uh, the junk foods that are causing excess uh, calories, empty calories, and to be stored in fat cells. But it's this inflammatory marker that really you know people are not addressing and really getting to the root cause of how to treat obesity. Okay, so when you so those are the markers and then how do you actually treat it then? Well, my goal is really to educate people how to live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And of course, it's going to begin with food. And so I tell patients it's important that we really look at food on a hormonal level. Yes, we have to have protein with every single meal because protein is essential for neurological function, for detoxification, and for repair. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, proteins can be very inflammatory. We really don't need the amount of protein that we were led to believe. And most of us are really all about renewing our warranty. We're really not <laughs> athletes. We're really not uh, in, a, in a very growth spurt. So uh, a small amount of protein you know, two to three to four ounces, uh, rather than their eight to, you know, 12 ounces of of meat that often ends up on someone's plate. And so red meats are the most inflammatory. And one of the things that you can do to decrease that inflammation of those foods uh, is to use uh, marinate them in a little bit of tart cherry juice or pomegranate juice, Mm. because this reduces the toxic effects of the lipid uh, peroxides that are produced when cooking red meat. And when you can and grill them, of course, some of the fat will run off. So I recommend that if you are going to eat uh, red meat, that no more than once or twice a week. And again, if you can uh, marinate it in that cherry juice or pomegranate juice would be best. Mm-hmm. But also, of course, grass-fed is going to be very important. And then above that, you know, we go to the wild uh, meats, the elk, the deer, the bison, those are going to be higher in omega-3 essential fatty acids. And that's what our goal is, is to uh, decrease inflammation. So on the protein levels, uh, of course, fish is going to be your less inflammatory, the white fish, the smaller fish, the salmon, those that are going to be uh, the least burdened with mercury, the sardines, the um, the herring, the sole, uh, those are going to be what I would say are my preferred choice of protein. So if we could do fish several times a week would be great. I am um, an advocate of using beans as a source of vegetarian protein as well. And so beans are fantastic because uh, they are going to be uh, more alkaline and less acidic. So again, I always tell patients that beans share the same seat as a carbohydrate. So we use them with respect. So when we uh, utilize beans, we would have them on a salad or in a soup. And that way you're not going to put them with some other high sugar like rice or tortilla that can, again, Again, cause a high influx of insulin because of the glucose load, and then again, an inflammatory response. So I love nuts and seeds as well as protein sources. Uh, again, we've got to watch that we don't consume too much nuts because again, a fat is a fat. So when I talk about fat, Uh, nuts I talk about a handful quarter of a cup at the most and not salted because oftentimes when we're eating salty nuts we think we're hungry but really it's causing us to be dehydrated and thirsty so we can end up going through a bag of nuts really really pretty easily Mm -hmm. so I like using nuts Uh, hemp seeds are my favorite um They are high in omega-3 essential fatty acids, so I love using them on salads because they're a high protein, along with some sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds or walnuts or almonds. Those are all fantastic uh, sources of protein that I like to implement with my patients. Of course, all of the vegetable kingdom, the bitter is better always. Not only are they going to be low sugar, uh, they're going to be higher on the alkalinity scale, which is going to support an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. All the cruciferous vegetables, the broccoli and the cauliflower, those are all fantastic, uh, not only uh, for heart disease and for the fiber, but again, they really serve as an anti-inflammatory as well. The fruits are fantastic, but then again, bitter is better. Mm-hmm. So we're always want to, going to want to go with the raspberries, the blueberries, the darker the berry the more antioxidants they have to quench free radicals that inflammation can produce. So if really, if we can have uh, just a variety of what I just talked about on our plate, we're really able to uh, decrease the inflammation and have those healthy fats in our diet. When I talk about healthy fats, of course I'm talking about more of the monosaturated fats like your olive oil, your nuts, your seeds, your uh, fats in your fish. I, of course, avoid all hydrogenated oils or partially hydrogenated because the body cannot utilize that at all and it ends up creating too much plaque from these fats that are uh, what we call a Franken fat, absolutely unusable, creating a huge amount of inflammation in the body as well as weight gain. So if we really have a variety of, uh, I always say, build your meal around your greens, mm-hmm. uh, lots of vegetables and salad with our small portion of protein and uh, our good fats, then I think we're pretty uh, on a pretty good start to an anti-inflammatory diet. That's going to be number one. Number two is to pay attention to your household products and really go green here because the, you can get the out gases uh, when you're utilizing these products. Again, they can become hormonal disruptors. Uh, the cosmetics, it's interesting to note that you actually absorb uh, more, more um Quantity through the palms of your hand than in any other part of your skin. So, mm-hmm. when you're using these products with the parabens, uh, uh, laurel sulfates, uh, these toxins enter the palms it, at a greater speed. And of course, what we do, we lather our palms up to put it onto our body. Mm-hmm. So, if we're just careful with the household products and with the cosmetics and our hair products, mm-hmm. then I think again, really we're creating that anti inflammatory lifestyle. I tell patients, even taking your shoes off. When you enter a house, is going to be important because you actually are carrying in a lot of lead from the dirt and the dust on the feet. So you know, if we look at just uh, creating a, a a better environment in which we live in, it, consuming those foods that are going to be higher in alkalinity, higher in water, higher in fiber, higher in antioxidants, uh, minimalizing the animal protein in our diet, adding more uh, vegetarian source of uh, beans and nuts and seeds into our diet, uh, again, that really promotes an anti-inflammatory uh, lifestyle. Wow. Well,
0: that's thorough. Boy, you hit every every time I was going to interject a question, you hit it. So <laughs> excellent information. That was very thorough. And um, all right. So when we come right back, we'll talk about more dieting information and um, what works. Interesting. Thank you so much, Liliana. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high-quality, great-tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click on the link for radio and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with certified nutritional microscopist, Liliana Partita, and we're talking about why diets fail. So, Liliana, does the theory still hold? Calories in and calories out, and which equates to losing weight or maintaining one's weight?
1: Well, I think that is really an archaic looking, uh, archaic way of looking at weight loss. Because um, obviously, if that would work, uh, then the majority of the people who are out there who are doing a regular exercise program and you know watching their their calories would be thin. But unfortunately, that isn't the case. So once again, we're looking at potentially are they Uh, In an inflammatory state, either from, we talked about Uh, the foods that they're consuming, which maybe could be allergenic to them. Mm. So some foods that people consider health foods like soy food, uh, a lot of uh, people who are vegetarian are consuming an excessive amount of soy, which again acts as a hormonal disruptor, uh, producing estrone, which is a bad estrogen that could cause weight gain. So when you're eating foods that your body cannot utilize or break down, uh, whether it's soy products, whether it's gluten products, uh, or any other food sensitive this is another factor that we look at as inflammation. So really the calorie in the calorie out theory, uh, it does not hold anymore. We really are looking at the whole person and how the chemistry is affected by what they do.
0: And something that you do that we were just talking about here is um, that the part of what you do is that you pluck the bread, the blood and that something that as the whole picture. um, Can you explain that a little bit? Well, yes.
1: You know, it's really fun because when you're getting a visual into the inside of your body, when we do microscopy, we take a little pinpoint of blood, put it up on a TV screen, and wow, it's live. Yeah. You see your red blood cells and you see your white blood cells. You can see uh, how you're digesting. If you are not digesting well or potentially eating foods that are allergen, your red bloods are really sticky. And then a white blood cell literally has to go and clean up each one of those cells in order for it to enter the capillary wall which would be less oxygen so it's a great visual for patients to pay attention to which really is works very nice
0: you get the the inside look yes which, you get the inside mm-hmm, look I think that's, that's fascinating and it's excellent because yeah you get the full picture um does okay the part of metabolism what part does that have to do with losing weight
1: Well, you know, again, it's really important for people to understand that the more muscle mass that they have, the higher their metabolism will be utilizing in terms of breaking down calories for fuel. So I really tell patients that they must exercise. And of course, oftentimes people who are obese or overweight are really walking around weight training uh, in terms of the weight that they are carrying around uh, oftentimes in an inflammatory state makes it more difficult so i say it's really important for moderate exercise so really starting out with walking because actually uh, any exercise that leaves you inv- invigorated is really what we're looking for if it leaves you more uh, fatigued tired, then that's really too much for your fitness level level and can cause inflammation. So I love walking. I love weight training so that it increases the muscle mass. The more muscle you have, the more calories you burn while you're sleeping.
0: Mm, That's a good point. And then overall, that just makes you feel healthier, and, and um, yeah, and then the, the weight will just fall off.
1: Well, you get the endorphins, which mm-hmm. are really wonderful, and we are all about pleasure enhancement. So you get those endorphins flowing through your brain. It makes it a little easier to make better choices.
0: That's a good point, point. and the stress, too, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think stress is the number one cause of inflammation in the body, because uh, you're producing cortisol, which is a flight or fright response, which triggers the body to produce uh, sugars for that response, which triggers triggers... triggers the body to produce insulin. So then again, if we're in a flight and fright state, which is most of the time in our lifestyle, Mm -hmm. uh, too busy schedules rushing around, then it's almost like you're being chased by the predator 24 seven. So you've got this influx of insulin and glucose and and cortisol, which again, creates, you know, uh, CRP level C reactive protein and inflammation, blocking your very ability to burn fat for fuel.
0: That's a really good way that you uh, explained it just now. So, I, for, uh, for those of us that are always being chased by that, um, that absolutely so, get out and exercise. <laughs> How do we increase our metabolism to burn more fat? Besides, okay, so you talked about exercise. Are there any other ways that we can increase that metabolism besides the exercise? Are there other
1: Well, I believe that when you actually begin to lose weight, Mm -hmm. you have uh, adiponectin, which is a hormone in a fat cell that tells the body to actually burn fat for fuel, which when it does that, it raises the metabolism. Mm. So when you become uh, sensitive to leptin to trigger the body to stop eating, I have enough calories stored in my fat cells, and then adiponectin says, oh, increase your metabolism, let's use up those calories, then that's really what we would call call a uh, a body that is functioning chemically correct. So in eating anti-inflammatory foods, in living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, in exercise, in uh, uh, stress-modification. Is really the key to increasing your metabolism.
0: So how would you um, how would you approach somebody uh, going on this weight loss program?
1: After I had identified uh, their particular needs in terms of their lab report, whether they were diabetic uh, or they had CRP level elevation, um, any, any of those concerns, then really I would approach it with my basic structure is first thing I do is I explain to patients what is food. Uh, I get them to understand the importance of uh, creating that hormonally balanced plate. Here's your portion size of protein. Here is your build your meal around your greens. Our goal is really to have between five to nine cups of fruits and vegetables a day. So I tell my patients no more than uh, really one cup to two cups of fruit a day. People think, okay, fruit is great, it's organic, it's natural, and they eat a lot of fruit. And for example, one apple is going to be 18 grams of sugar, uh, one banana, 27. And so if really all they're allowed to consume at one meal, because we're going to think of uh, food as, as, as energy or fuel, uh, 27 grams is the maximum amount of carbohydrates they should be eating at a meal. So if they're walking around, you know, eating fruit all day long, Uh, that's the first thing we have them stop doing. So the first thing I do is explain to them, you got to have protein breakfast, lunch and dinner, about anywhere between uh, 10 to uh, 27 grams of protein with each meal. I have them do between 18 and 27 grams of carbohydrates if they're a woman. And for a man, no more than 36 to 45 grams of sugar per meal. And when I'm talking about sugar, I'm talking about everything that equates to uh, glucose, whether it's a vegetable, a fruit, a bean or a grain so i really teach them what does that mean when you look at something that doesn't have water in it for example and is sweet it's going to have a higher content of sugar potatoes breads pasta uh, even beans fruits so i say limit those to no more than a half a cup to one slice on your plate uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And all of the ones that are vegetables that are going to be tart or um, bitter in nature, you can have as much as you want. The broccoli, the asparagus. So those are going to be not only uh, high anti-inflammatory foods, low sugar foods, uh, very alkaline foods. So I teach them that first. How do we create a plate that has a hormonally balanced meal uh, with good fats, protein, and low carbohydrates? The next thing I do is um try to alter their uh, their lifestyle, that if they are uh, not exercising, that they need to move and let's do some walking, some low impact exercise that at least gets them moving. I also explained to them that they need to really look at how they manage stress. We're never gonna get rid of our stress entirely. It's impossible, good mm-hmm. stress, bad stress, our body perceives it the same. So I really help them get on a um, stress management uh, protocol, whether it's just taking a hot bath every night, listening to melodic music, uh, meditating, doing affirmation, you know what is it they're going to do to reduce their stress level. And then of course, I try to inspire them to, you know when they go shopping not to purchase those products that are going to have those toxins that we talked about. And just if they can just go green it would be fantastic and stop drinking out of water bottles, plastic water bottles, especially with the number seven on the bottom that are going to really be a hormonal disruptor to them. So we're going to address the food, what is it, so they have a full understanding on how to make right choices. Number two is that they need to move their body for lymphatic stimulation, detoxification, and respiration. They need to do stress management to lower their cortisol levels, and they need to be conscious of the things that they're putting on and into their body in terms of those potential toxins.
0: That's a nice wrap up with that, that. How what what it goes through, and typically, how long are these patients with you to see a complete turnaround?
1: Well, I like to see my patients uh, once a week because I, I do body fat testing and we want to make sure that when they're actually losing weight, they're losing fat and not just muscle and water. So this gives me an excellent indication on what I need to do to alter their program, uh, whether they, uh, I can always tell by doing these testings, you know, if they're even eating enough food, because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times they, you know, want to be really drastic and all of a sudden they're not eating enough calories mm-hmm. and even not eating enough calories is going to hold on to fat and burn lean muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like to see them once a week for six weeks. And then after that, I like to see them uh, once a month for three months. And then really from that point forward, depending on um, their, uh, their, their, their balance in terms of chemistry, then I might see them every three months. But I like to work with a patient for at least one year in total. I tell them it's going to take a full year for you to really rebalance your chemistry. And then you're going to be really creating a lifestyle that has something to do with this anti-inflammatory, high vitality, high energy lifestyle. Well, you're certainly giving
0: them the tools. You're teaching them how to fish, in other words. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so very much for your time, and we look forward to having you on again. In the meantime, you can catch more of Liliana on the Center for New Medicine website at centerfornewmedicine.com or see her at Mother's Market and take in one of her great seminars. And thank you so much, Liliana, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market radio show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.